Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, and stories of West Seattle come together. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. The month of June is LGBTQ Pride Month in America, in commemoration of the 1969 Stonewall riots that occurred in response to a police raid of a gay bar and became a pivotal turning point in the gay liberation movement and fight for LGBTQ rights in the United States. The Stonewall Uprising happened at the end of June, which is when many cities around the country, including Seattle, marked the occasion with pride parades, parties, and festive gatherings. But with the COVID-19 pandemic still changing our way of life, many of our local Pride events have been reimagined. And with the recent and ongoing protests against racial injustice and police brutality, the meaning and purpose of Pride is also being revisited and re-examined by many. In this episode, we'll check in on some LGBTQ Pride happenings in the three major junctions of West Seattle. Morgan Junction to the south, Admiral Junction to the north, and the Alaska Junction at the center. And we'll get a quick update on news you should know from our neighborhood farmer's market. Let's start in the Morgan Junction, where the new owners of a beloved coffee shop are bringing personal and meaningful pride to their way of doing business. We talked with one half of this dynamic duo, Autumn Lovewell. You and your wife, Monica, are the new owners of Youngstown Coffee. How did that come about? We knew about Youngstown from a few years ago when Zoe opened her first location on Del Ridge right by our kids' school, so we would stop in there, and that's when we first met Zoe. Mm -hmm. And then during COVID, Zoe was one of the only coffee shops open, and so when we got desperate, we headed over there to get some coffee Mm -hmm. and just started chatting with her um, at the California shop. She was looking for someone to lease the space there where Harry's Chicken Joint used to be because she was doing food over there and then just wanted to stop doing that, and we needed a space. For Heartbeat, which is my wife's restaurant. So Heartbeat moved in there, and Heartbeat is a vegan, gluten-free cafe that's primarily to go. And then she said, by the way, do you want to buy a coffee business? Uh And we're like, sure, why not? (laughs) What are your plans for Youngstown? Is it sort of still in development? Yeah, we definitely want to keep a lot of the same drinks going and really honor the kind of the legacy that Zoe's built there, it's definitely going to be hard to fill her shoes as far as the customer service she provided and the connection, but we'll definitely try our hardest. But what we really want to do is kind of use the space for a social justice platform. Mm -hmm. I've been working as a volunteer with many organizations over the years, for many years since I was a teen. It's things I really care about, that we care about, like LGBTQ rights, transgender rights, Um, We are raising a trans daughter. And of course, now, you know, racial justice as well, Mm -hmm. which is something I've cared about for a long time as well. That sounds great. So like everything else, Pride is very different this year. Tell us about the Pride event that you're organizing. So I had actually a a fellow mom in the community reach out to me and say, hey, you know, my teenage daughter is really missing Pride. And we were thinking about let's do something fun, but of course, keep it very safe. So we just came up with the idea to do kind of a mini march in the Morgan Junction. It's really just probably not even a mile in a square Mm -hmm. and just keep it really safe. They really wanted to bring attention to you know, Black and trans LGBTQ people, which were the originators of Pride. So mm-hmm. the first Pride was a protest. It wasn't a parade. And I think what COVID has kind of 
forced us to do is kind of sit with that and get back to that spirit. Yeah. Our pride over the years has really been kind of co-opted by capitalism, and sometimes the spirit of the original pride gets lost in that, so we're trying to really bring that back. I love that you're bringing it back to its roots right here in West Seattle. Your event and some of your weekend sales at Youngstown Coffee are benefiting Ingersoll Gender Center of Seattle. Tell us about them and why you chose to support them. So Ingersoll Gender Center has been around for a long time and they focus on providing emotional, economical, health, all kinds of resources for transgender and gender nonconforming folks in our community. I love that in the past, I think, a couple of years, They've had a specific black transgender kind of get together once a month. So they really are there for the whole trans and uh, gender nonconforming community. Mm-hmm. And they do so many wonderful things. And I love that I, when I look at their staff, their staff is very diverse and they have a lot of people of color leadership there. So it's something that I really appreciate. Um, and then we're bringing in some pride cookies and cupcakes and all the proceeds from those baked goods will go to Ingersoll. So we just encourage two people that are participating in the, in the mini march, or if they can't, and they always wonder, well, what can I do? Definitely, you know, send some dollars to Ingersoll Gender Center. They're up to a lot of good things. What's it like to be a member of the LGBTQ community in West Seattle, personally and professionally? It's wonderful. I mean, you know, we feel very blessed, and I, I feel like we definitely have privilege, you know. And it just, it really is great. We feel so well supported. And I will say that, you know, our daughter transitioned in the West Seattle community at Louisa Born STEM. Mm-hmm. And the support has been tremendous. It's just been amazing. It makes me get a little emotional thinking about it because uh-huh. it's just been so positive. We haven't really encountered any kind of negativity, really, for just being who we are. And I couldn't ask for anything more, really, in a community. So I'm very proud of West Seattle. Next, we'll check in with Alex Garcia of the Admiral Pub, a neighborhood bar in the Admiral Junction where Pride has ushered in a new era. You became one of the owners of the Admiral Pub in November of last year. How did that come to be? Me and my friends, we live here in West Seattle, and for a while we've been wanting to jump back into working, you know, kind of at our own bar. I used to work in a nightclub and bar scene on Capitol Hill for many Uh years, like 15 years. So we've all, we're kind of just looking for something fun that we could call our own. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you and the other owners all know each other? Well, my husband's one of the owners Mm -hmm. and we've been together like 10 years. And then my best friend, Michael, is one of the owners and we've been roommates for like 11 years. And then Colin's just a mutual friend of all of us. Me, Michael, and Billy have done things in marketing, promoting bars, events on Capitol Hill for a really long time. And then Colin had been looking for something to do also on the side. So it it just worked out perfectly. What changes have you made so far since you took ownership and what is still to come? So that's an interesting one because, you know, when we bought the bar, like it had good I guess they say good legs, right? It had good Mm -hmm. foundation. It's a neighborhood pub. Some of the biggest changes I think were we try to clean it up a bit because it was a little bit divier than I felt comfortable hanging out. And I I, I do love a good dive bar, but if I'm going (laughs) to be there every day, I need it to be a little bit cleaner. So like, we know, we cleaned it up, we gave it a new paint job. So we kind of were pivoting into being more of a sports bar because all of us are big sports fans, but I felt like the bar wasn't always representative of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. 
there's obviously a big portion of it that we're like your locals that live in within like five or six, you know, 10 blocks. But we did get a lot of visitors sometimes that did not live in West Seattle. And I think sometimes that caused a lot of the problems the bar mm. had previously. So one of the first things we did was besides clean it up, which I think did a lot of is being that we're all LGBTQ, you know, we hung up some pride flags and we made it very apparent that we're a super inclusive, you know, we might not be a gay bar, but we're a super inclusive, you know, everyone's welcome here kind of place. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as a result, that change alone really did help clean up the bar. Like the people who maybe weren't from West Seattle and, you know, might've been a little bit on the shadier side like mm. for whatever reason that mm-hmm. was like a repellent <laughs> so they so they stopped coming in which was really great you know like it's like we didn't have to have any kind of weird confrontation the power of a pride flag <laughs> yeah honestly i mean i would watch people who maybe had been troublemakers before literally walk in see that flag take a look around and be like nope and walk right back out wow. the door and i'm like thank you that that was actually like you know but to me i'm like hey it's probably a win-win for both of us. Yeah, it's so much easier than having to kick someone out. <laughs> Absolutely. Normally, Pride Weekend would be a huge event for bars and clubs. What are you doing at the Admiral Pub to celebrate Pride with social distancing restrictions in place? So a couple things. One is we got rid of all of our pool tables, which really gave us a lot of space because our capacity is like 199 But whether we were at 25% or 50%, it's really hard to still hit that number because you got to have tables six feet apart. So once we moved four big pool tables, it did give us more room. So we have a bunch of tables now, six feet apart, following all the guidelines. And so we're doing more viewing parties mm-hmm. and we launched brunch. So what we're doing this weekend is a pride brunch on Sunday. There's a reservation at 11 and there's one at 1.30 and it's brunch, mimosas, and a movie. And so the 11 o'clock movies, The Birdcage, uh, with Robin Williams and Nathan Lang, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And then the 131 is uh, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which is also a great movie. So that's going to be fun. Uh, I know the 130 is completely booked out, and uh, it, it'll be a little bit of celebrating. You know, I, I also have a ton of really fun pride flags and pride beads and mm-hmm. pride sunglasses. And so it's going to be more of a sit down, eat brunch while still kind of like getting together and celebrating, you know, that it, it's pride. And, and then if all goes well, it'll just be a bunch of people happy to be together. You know, it's not the same as years past when sure. you know, it would be big parades and everything. But, you know, we were hoping to just try to pull something tiny. And we teamed up with Lumberyard over in White Center. So they, they decided they would take Saturday and we would pull something together for um, Sunday. Oh. Hence the two movies. And and then later on, our friend DJ Andy will be video DJing. And this is while everyone's obviously seated, eating dinner. We'll be just spinning classic videos like Cher, Dolly <laughs> Parton, Lady Gaga. And mm-hmm. so that will be fun. That will be like after the, the movies. But yeah. yeah, it should be fun. Masks are required. And obviously everyone has to stay at their tables. Right. And then wear masks when they, you know, when they're out and about. And do you think brunch is something that you'll continue on with after this weekend? Yeah. So we did a test last week and it was really good. People came in. We did a Mean Girls brunch last week and <laughs> we dimmed down the lights and it was just fun to watch people laugh at iconic moments in Mean Girls while, you know, having some mimosas and brunch. So it, it's one of those pivots you have to do during COVID, you know, and yeah. in the past. Sunday would have been reserved for Seahawks and sports for, you know, hundred percent doubling down on that. But right now it's like, we have to act like there might not be sports for another year or two. And so for us, like Sundays will now be, 
getting creative of what are some cult classics to play during brunch that, you know, people might have fun doing, watching while eating. That sounds like a blast. What's it like to be a member of the LGBTQ community in West Seattle, both personally and professionally? It's so weird because, you know, I lived on Capitol for 15 years and then moved out here six and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And I love how West Seattle is just so accepting. Everyone is just super open about who they are. You know, they're very authentic to who they are, which I love. Mm -hmm. And the moment I landed in West Seattle, I completely fell in love. I couldn't see myself living in any other neighborhood. I've never felt unsafe in West Seattle, which is different from downtown. As much as I love living in Seattle and I've lived downtown on Capitol Hill, you know, you do have moments where you just don't feel safe. I've had multiple moments like that. But out here, I mean, I've walked playing Pokemon Go <laughs> at midnight, you know, in the dark, walking between the Admiral Junction and the Alaska Junction. And even in my walks, I'll still run into a neighbor or a friend. And it's just everyone's so kind and friendly. Yeah, We've never really had a negative experience. And, and especially since, you know, we kind of were more vocal once we bought the bar, you know, mm -hmm. we're all gay here who own the bar and we're trying to keep this very friendly. We haven't had a single pushback. If anything, people have applauded us and, and a lot of people come in saying, you know, they might not be LGBTQ, but they're an ally and they feel safer knowing that, that we're an accepting place, which was really awesome for us to hear. Mm -hmm. A lot of these things are just unexpected. You don't think about these things at the time that you make these decisions. A lot of us were like, this is our lifestyle. So we yeah. just want it to be a safe place. And in the, as a result, you know, especially a lot of women come in all the time now for wine and they just tell us they feel so safe here. And then uh -huh. that makes me happy. Finally, we'll move on to the Alaska Junction, where a new tradition pairs personal messages of support with a dramatic and colorful public display of pride. We learn more about it from Laura Radford of the West Seattle Junction Association. How did the Pride Flag program come about? We had decided that it was important to have not only conversations about the importance of LGBTQ+, but also to bring those conversations to really to light mm -hmm. in the junction. And we were finding that there wasn't really a lot of visual support mm -hmm. for our neighbors. And so what we decided was to come up with a program that really showed our support for like, you know, all humankind. And mm -hmm. so that's how the rainbow flags were developed. And they're sponsored by individual people and businesses. Yeah. So when we first started the program, we're in our second year now. You know, just when you start with anything, you I wasn't 100% sure if people would want to, to donate or how they would feel. And I can tell you, I was, again like I usually am with West Seattle, <laughs> just absolutely in awe of the amount of support that the flags received. Mm -hmm. And what's in truly inspiring is, uh, you know, an element of the, the flag sponsor adoption is the little flags that go off the side of the big three by five. Mm -hmm. And to have people not only step into this conversation through the flag adoption, but then the incredibly sweet and heartfelt messages that came along with that, that we handwrite on the smarter flags, yeah. that in equal measures, maybe even in greater measure, was something that galvanized us into 
creating this this program for the the second year. Mm-hmm. And what what kind of messages are you receiving and sharing? Oh my gosh! Well, we get a lot of love is love, and love is greater than hate, and you know all the things like you know love for all humanity, and I love. West Seattle, I've got a flag that's um, like, you know, hot, the PTA hot moms for, for the gay rights and <laughs> all kinds of like really f- engaging and heartfelt messages that I wasn't expecting. And what's the response been to the flag display? Very positive. Absolutely. Very positive. I think we needed to start this conversation. And last year, we captured families walking through with strollers and kids and holding the flags out and reading the inscriptions and mm. people selfieing and taking photos and really supporting the project mm. in many different ways. Do you have any uh, favorite messages that you've seen? They're like, it's like your children. They're all <laughs> your favorites. <laughs> what we see the most is love is love. And it's interesting, like people don't write that in lowercase. Mm-hmm. The love is love is all, it's all uppercase. Like <laughs> it is just not love is love, but it is love is love. Yeah. <laughs> and people feel strongly about it. They have these incredibly strong convictions behind what they want to say. And how many flags are there? That They all go up Saturday and, and again Sunday. What's the, the process like? Yep. So they all go up Saturday, 8 a.m. If anyone wants to come meet us, obviously put your mask on. Mm-hmm. And we meet in front of Cupcake Real at 8 a.m. And we just do this big U-shape. We start at, we start on Oregon and we go up California and across all the way to Edmonds and all the way back down again. Mm-hmm. And we fly the big three by five flags. And then we go through once again, and the four by six inch flags, those are the messages that people put on their flags. And then we've already sent out a little map to everybody. So whoever adopted a flag, they can come into the junction and walk the flags and then also find their flag as well. And it's almost like you're putting on a, a little mini pride parade for the junction and and then people can sort of have a, a self-guided pride parade afterwards. They absolutely can. It's almost like pandemic ready. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew back in 2019, I would have to create pandemic ready events, but this one just worked his way into one of being the most perfect one. <laughs> <laughs> and are there some LGBTQ plus businesses owned or operated in the junction? Yes, yes, there absolutely are. So Justin, he owns Sound and Fog mm-hmm. down by the Whole Foods. And he's doing a fundraiser this weekend where $2 of every pound of special coffee that he's selling goes to an organization that supports the conversation, the mm-hmm. LGBTQ plus conversation. And then Chris at Alamode, he, I hear he's doing rainbow cheesecakes, mm-hmm. which is amazing. So <laughs> Alamode pie. And then Travis, he runs Elliott Bay Brewing. And then Jody and Thea, uh, Jody owns and then Thea runs our local Cupcake Royale. Uh-huh. And they are doing the, the Pride cupcakes as well and i understand on 
think it is Sunday. Mm-hmm. You can also get a couple of Cupcake Royale cupcakes if you order a Pagliacci pizza, too. So it's kind of amazing. Cool. And then Alonzo, he owns our secret garden, mm-hmm. and it's so secret. People have a hard time finding it, so go support him. He is in the alleyway as you walk towards a Phoenicia on 42nd. He has the cutest little flower shop. Yeah. And so... He does the most beautiful arrangements, so go support him too because he's fabulous. I love him. Our Secret Garden is one of my personal favorite places in the Alaska Junction, and you'll hear an interview with owner Alonzo Fernandez in an upcoming episode. And of course, the Alaska Junction is also home to our neighborhood farmer's market every Sunday. We checked in with market manager Jonica Strongman for a quick update. How are things going at the market with the new policies and procedures in place? We have been operating West Seattle with new modifications. Mm -hmm. And we are continuing to make adjustments working with the West Seattle Junction Association. Mm -hmm. So there have been some changes even since we opened just to make the market uh, a little bit more welcoming to bring it back to kind of its usual layout that it was before Mm COVID-19. So there have still been some changes We are operating at about a little less than 50% of our capacity in terms of the vendor numbers. Mm -hmm. Currently, the mayor's office is limiting the number of vendors who can be in the market at one time and also placing staffing requirements on us. We have to have three to four times more staff on site than we did before this. And they actually just lifted our vendor limit from 30 vendors to 35 vendors. Okay. So we're operating at a little less than 50% capacity with that vendor limit. So unfortunately, there is a, a huge number of vendors that we are not even able to support right now, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, that must be very frustrating. How are you deciding who gets to be at the market and who doesn't? Farmers are the priority. Our mission, first and foremost, is to support Washington state farmers. So we've had, gosh, like 90% um, of our vendors have been farmers over the past few weeks. So we are giving space to farmers first and foremost, and then opening it up to some of our processors that have essentials or things that are a, a huge need for folks like bread and bakeries and pasta mm-hmm. and things like that. So some of those staple food items mm-hmm. and vendors who have been in our system for decades, trying to make sure that for a vendor, for a small business that has been relying on the farmer's market or as part of their business model for years, yeah. we want to make sure that we are still able to provide at least opportunities for them to sell. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we're choosing those folks. And we know there are a lot of people that we're still not serving. And there are a lot of people and, and some farmers in particular who have either chosen not to return or are unable to return given the restrictions like a shopper capacity limit, mm-hmm. just because their business depends on having, you know, the, those big crowds coming into the market buying like tons of berries or peaches or plant starts or things like that. So there are some people who 
have not been able to return specifically because of the the shopper capacity limit. And I've seen that some of your other neighborhood markets won't be returning at all this year. What is it about the West Seattle market that makes it work where others don't? It has to do with size and the number of vendors that we can serve. The University District market was the very first to reopen. It is our largest market. It serves the most number of vendors, our highest food access and like EBT and SNAP match dollars. Mm -hmm. So for us, that market was the priority to reopen as soon as possible. We started with our year-round markets because when we closed in March, the year our three year-round markets were the only markets that were operating. So that was University District, West Seattle, and Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. So we tried first and foremost when we were trying to get reopened back in March, those three were the priority to get reopened because they were the ones that were supposed to be operating then. Got it. Now that these restrictions have lasted a little bit longer and because of the city restrictions that are placed on farmers markets in the city of Seattle currently, many farmers markets cannot operate viably. Mm. So it's really, really unfortunate. And we are just really so sad that we cannot run all of our markets as we normally would this year. I saw an email recently where you were looking for volunteers. Is that something that people can still do to participate, to help out at at any of these markets? Oh, absolutely. That is partly due to the requirements by the city of Seattle to have 12 staff members at Mm. each of our markets that is open. That is a, a pretty high number of staff and We are a pretty small nonprofit organization and really don't have the staff to sustain having 12 staff members on site and on site if we open up, you know, two markets on the same day, like Capitol Hill and West Seattle. So we really need volunteers to fulfill those staffing requirements that are required of us by the city of Seattle mayor's office. Mm -hmm. And they are so, so important in um, helping us continue to run the markets and stay open. Oftentimes, volunteers don't have like super exciting jobs. Uh Usually, it's like counting the number of people that are in the market Mm -hmm. to make sure that we stay at that capacity to enforce the perimeter that we are required by public health and the city to have around the market. They may seem like simple jobs, but they are crucial in us operating and continuing to be open. So we definitely want any volunteers who are interested to reach out to us. It's it's really crucial to us, especially at this time. And if someone wants to volunteer, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way would be to reach out. We have some social media volunteer call to action on our Instagram and Facebook pages, and there should be a a link for people to fill out a form. They can also contact us, um, and there's contact information on our website. Speaking of showing up, there was an incredible demonstration in the Alaska Junction where the West Seattle Farmers Market is held in a demonstration against racism and police violence. And your organization, the Neighborhood Farmers Market, recently released a statement in response to the issues surrounding the protests here and around the country. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little. Yeah, definitely. So we absolutely support Black Lives Matter and the demonstrations and protests that are happening in the city of Seattle and across the country. Our our organization just 
last week in response to the demonstrations that are going on um, have formed a race and equity task force to kind of take a look at what actions and what um, messages we have a responsibility to share with the public. Mm-hmm. And then also looking at some direct actions that we we need to do in order to support our Black community members and especially Black farmers and Black small businesses that we support in our farmer's market system right now. So we are looking at what we do well currently to support that and then where we have room for improvement. And one of those that we are, are looking at is the lack of Black farmers in Washington state and that we don't have very good representation of Black farmers and small businesses in farmer's markets in Seattle. So we're looking at how we can uh, put ourselves in a position to amplify Black voices and also support farmers and Black-owned businesses in our community and in all of our markets. So we know that we have room for improvement. We know that we have a lot of work to do over the coming weeks and months and years. Mm-hmm. And it, it is it is all going to be a process for for our organization and many across Seattle, but it's something that every single one of, of our team members feels very strongly about. That's really great to hear. Finally, I would be remiss in not asking what seasonal items are coming into the market these days and where can we find them? We will have apricots in the market. We uh, have cherries coming in right now for a lot of our vendors. And then we will also have several berry vendors returning. Specifically, Big Brother Farm will be back in the market with berries. And then Hayton Farms is another berry vendor who will be back in the market. So we're really excited about some more stone fruit coming in and then lots of berries. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I appreciate all the the work that uh, you're all putting in for West Seattle and, and the farming community. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Keith. We really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Always West Seattle. If you like what you heard, please share with your friends, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook for updates. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening and happy Pride.